Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Turf or No Turf by Joanna K. Javalis. In addition to the final design and materials for the new Belmont Middle and High School building, the BMHS Building Committee needs to make another major decision by September. What type of athletic field to install on the new building's campus? Many residents, including Cable Elms, who founded the League for Better Health and Safety, would like to see the field be natural grass with a maintenance plan. Elms cited concerns about toxic emissions emissions blamed on the crumb rubber fields, injuries associated with their use, and how high the temperature of a turf fields become on a hot summer day, which can cause burns and staph infections. Currently, turf fields made with crumb rubber are under review by the Center for, D- for Disease Control, Environmental Protection Agency, and the Consumer Product Safety Commission, she said. Ames has been recording the temperature f- for both turf and natural grass fields in Belmont. Her turf temperature readings have been as much as 40 degrees higher than the outside temperature, and natural grass readings are around 40 degrees lower than the outside temperature. Ames presented information to Belmont's Board of Health at a recent meeting uh, from the TURI, which is the Toxic Use Reduction Institute, and expressed her concerns to them about the lack of signage on the existing crumb rubber turf field at the Wellington Elementary School. She would like to see signage posted to inform users at the Wellington Field about the precautions recommended by the Consumer Product Safety Commission to limit exposure to crumb rubber, such as avoiding mouth contact with the material, avoid eating food or drinking beverages while directly on the crumb rubber playground surface, wash hands before handling food, limit time on crumb rubber turf on extremely hot days, and clean hands and other areas of exposed skin after visiting a crumb rubber turf playground, and consider changing clothes if evidence of tire materials is visible on the fabrics. Clean any toys used on the crumb rubber turf when possible. Bob McLaughlin, a member of the BMHS Building Committee, has been tasked with researching options with school committee and building committee member Kate Bowen. They will present their findings at a meeting on August the 21st at 7 p.m. at the Beach Street Center. On September 10th, there will be a joint meeting between the BMHS Building Committee and the School Committee to discuss the research findings and narrow down the options. A final decision on the field materials will need to be made by the early fall, according to BMHS Building Committee Chairman Bill Lavello. And now over to my colleague, Thomas. Thank you, Bob. 
New Caribbean Barbecue Restaurant Coming to Belmont Center by Joanna K. Chavellis. After nearly 17 years as an Indian restaurant, Kashish at 61 Leonard Street in Belmont Center is officially closed and will soon become a Caribbean and barbecue restaurant. Belmont resident Jeffrey Lassiter, a United States diplomat and retiring federal government employee who has spent many years living in Barbados and Jamaica, plans to open a Jamaica Jeff's this September. Lassiter is the director and CEO of Jamaica Jeff's LLC, which he founded with his business partner Antonio Genchi of Scotland. He plans to serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, including Jamaican and Caribbean coffees, and a full bar offering tropical cocktails. The Board of Health approved Lassiter's application for a variance for a grease trap interceptor on July 15th. He will be applying for an all-alcohol license. The build-out will take approximately 30 days as the interior of the former Kashish is renovated with a rustic wood interior and a new bar. After working the last 23 years, mostly overseas, as a U.S. diplomat, Lassiter moved back to Belmont in May. Originally from the South, Lassiter, 50, said he has always enjoyed food, family, and fun. For the past two years, while living in Jamaica, he's been thinking about what he wants to do when he officially retires in January. Quote, It's now or never, and Belmont's home. I'm looking forward to doing something for the community and something we can put our stake in, end quote, he said. Belmont has always been the home base for his two sons who are attending schools here. He scouted many potential locations, which included Harvard Square and Cushing Square, but he settled on the center of his family's hometown. Quote, People like to be out. They like this little street and the restaurant atmosphere. There are lots of options in Belmont and Arlington, but what we, one we don't have is this type of Caribbean food and really good barbecue, said Lassiter. He wants to bring the taste of specialized sauces and spices and fresh seafood of the island community he experienced. Quote, I've been taste testing almost every day for two years all over Jamaica, he said. Lassiter has had experience cooking and working in restaurants. He also took classes in Jamaica to learn how to make the spices and cook the sauces. Quote, Rocket science isn't applied to grilling chicken. You have to do it well, but it's really about the sauce, he said. Lassiter plans to bring a chef from Chatham Bay Resort in the Caribbean who will come for the first six months of their opening to train his staff. The restaurant will have about 44 seats for dining and 15 seats at the bar, as well as some outdoor seating. The kitchen will be enclosed with glass so people can see the chef's cooking. And now over to Max. Thanks, Thomas. Tea's Fair Hikes Meet Pushback by Adam Sennett. Local MBTA riders expressed frustration with fare increases that went into effect earlier this month. The fare increases went into effect July 1st and, and impacted subway riders and those with weekly and monthly passes, the MBTA said in a press release. The cost of a single subway ride went from 225 to 240 with the cost of a weekly pass going from 2125 to 2250 and a monthly pass increased from 2125 to 2250. Those both sound the same. 
Monthly bus passes and single bus rides stayed the same at $1.70 a ride. Reduced one-way fares for local bus and subway and reduced monthly passes for seniors, youth, and those with transportation access passes also stayed the same. The MBTA said in a statement the increases are in line with the rate of inflation in the Boston area and were, quote, necessary for the authority to continue making system investments to improve service, unquote. Quote, state law allows the MBTA to raise fares at regular, modest increments, limiting increases to once every two years, and a cap of no more than 7% for each increase, the MBTA said. The MBTA has not raised fares since 2016 and proposed an increase of an average of 6.3% across all fares. The board approved the proposal with some modifications resulting in an average of an increase of 5.8% across all fares. While the MBTA defended the fare increases, some riders were skeptical the extra revenue would have much of an impact on service. Mario Fabrizio, 23, of Cambridge said he found the fare increases ridiculous. It's absolutely abhorrent that they would raise the fares even more, Fabrizio said. Fabrizio said his budget is affected as a result. I have less money, obviously, Fabrizio said. Betty Tyson of Watertown said she can see why people are not happy with it, but noted that she doesn't take the MBTA very often, and the increase doesn't impact her. I have a senior pass. It doesn't matter much to me, Tyson said, and I don't come in much. Eva Dykstra of Watertown said she didn't have an issue with the fare increase, but was frustrated that, quote, nothing was improved. In fact, it's gotten worse, Dykstra said. She listed the buses not running on schedule as an example of the issues plaguing the MBTA. There's a schedule, an actual schedule that you can print out, but the bus doesn't show up on that schedule, Dykstra said. She also noted buses are not currently picking up customers at the Harvard Station due to construction, and it can be hard waiting outside in the elements. Quote, it's going to benefit us in the long run, but as I just pointed out, there needs to be someone in charge to make sure that the buses are running on time. It's brutal standing out in the sun, Dykstra said. Willie Frankel, 37, of Watertown, said he's okay with the fare increases if they make the MBTA better. I understand things take time, and I think if they use the money properly, it could potentially make the tea better, Frankel said. He added that he generally has a very good time on the tea. Even if it's slow or something, I plan ahead just to make sure. I literally don't have a problem with the tea like almost ever. As a regular user of public transportation, State Rep Dave Rogers, who represents parts of Cambridge, Arlington, and Belmont, said he understands commuters' frustrations regarding the fare hikes. Quote, I was the part of a group of legislatures who urged the T in writing to forego the fare increases until such time as service is fully restored on the red line, unquote, said Representative Rogers in an email. While money alone is not sufficient, the truth is that the greater Boston area will never have a first-class 21st century transportation system until we make the necessary investments to achieve that goal. Fortunately, the House is planning to take up transportation revenue and reform in this legislative session. Another Cambridge state representative, Mike Connolly, said he stands with residents who oppose fare hikes and was proud to participate in the recent Unfair Hikes Day of Action. Frankly, these fare hikes are a form of class warfare. 
And in this time of climate emergency, it must also be said that this decision will only add automobile traffic to our already congested roadways, Connolly said in an email. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Groundbreaking held for Grove Street Park Path by Joanna K. Uh, Juvalis. A small crowd gathered uh, with the Friends of the Grove Street Park on uh, July the 15th for the official groundbreaking of the intergenerational walking path construction project at Grove Street Park. Last year, town meeting approved the appropriation of $780,000 for Community Preservation Act money to build a six-foot-wide asphalt intergenerational walking path around the perimeter of uh, Grove Street Park, which will include improvements to add shade and to make it compliant with the Americans with Disabilities Act. Construction began earlier this month. Activitis of uh, Dedham is the landscape architect and Bautista Masonry Corporation of Waltham is the construction company. According to Jonathan uh, Chowick, associates at Activa, a- Activitis, uh, the path will be approximately 2,250 feet long, a little less than a half a mile. There will be a paver path, plaza I should say, added adjacent to the tennis courts with bench seating and shade trees. There will be 12 new benches along the walkway, three new trash receptacles and 19 new shade trees. In addition to the path, an asphalt bike uh, bike path for young uh, children to learn to ride bikes is also being added to the southeast corner of the park, next to the soccer field and storage building. Present for the groundbreaking ceremony was Janet McDonald, chairman of the Disability Access Committee, which has pledged to donate $10,000 toward the project, which will be handicapped accessible. Belmont Youth Baseball is donating another 30000 to help fund the project, which will also include improvements to the fields and the addition of batting cages to be used by baseball teams in the spring and summer. The project is expected to be completed in October. And now over to Thomas. Thank you, Bob. Charge with Intent to Murder by Joanna K. Javellis. Hector Romero, 51, of Chelsea, has been charged with armed assault with intent to murder in connection with the stabbing of his wife, a nanny at a home on Partridge Lane in Belmont, on July 17th. According to the Middlesex District Attorney's Office, the defendant will be held without bail pending a dangerousness hearing scheduled for the 13th. Romero was arraigned in Cambridge District Court on July 18th. Romero is also charged with reckless operation of a motor vehicle, two counts of wanton destruction of property under $1,200, wanton destruction of property over $1,200, and failure to stop for police in connection with a police pursuit that allegedly occurred following the stabbing in Cambridge. Assistant Belmont Police Chief James McIsaac issued a release stating Belmont Police responded to a call at approximately 9.38 a.m. Wednesday morning about an altercation between a male and female outside a home on Partridge Lane. When they arrived, they found a woman suffering from stab wounds. According to the Belmont Police, the male suspect fled the scene and was pursued by Belmont Police through Arlington and Cambridge before crashing his vehicle in Cambridge. He was placed into custody by the Belmont Police before he was transported to an area hospital for injuries he sustained in the crash. 
The victim is currently hospitalized. According to Wicked Local Media partner WCVB-TV, a witness rushed to help the woman. Quote, the girl was already on the floor and the guy was on top of her, stabbing her, witness Fabio Pina said. Quote, the dude cut the girl's throat, get in the car, start driving away. I take my shirt and I cover her neck. She was conscious but barely speaking, end quote. And now back to Max. Thank you, Thomas. Westcott Mercantile to Open Annex in Belmont Center by Joanna K. Zuvelis. Goods and Good Company is the slogan of Mary Westcott Tom- Tomagen's Belmont gift store, Westcott Mercantile, currently located in two prime retail locations in Belmont, Belmont Center and Cushing Square. However, after August 15th, the Cushing Square location will be closed, and in September, a pop-up shop, Westcott Mercantile Annex, will be opening in the Belmont Center retail spot formerly occupied by Terra Firma, 49 Leonard Street. Tomagen says she plans to have the store open from the beginning of September until December 31st. The Belmont Citizen Herald asked, recently asked Tomagen about her decision to close the Cushing Square store and open this new location. Why did you decide to close the Cushing Square location? I've been struggling for over a year to make the decision to close the Cushing Square location. It's pretty well known that I love the Cushing Square area, the businesses, and our neighbors. I've spent the better part of five years running the Cushing Square Merchants Association and working to ensure the businesses have a voice in Cushing Square as it relates to the town, Toll Brothers development, etc. The Cushing location could not sustain itself financially. So I spent time thinking about a creative way to continue to have two store locations for the end of the year 2019. I decided to ask Kevin Foley, manager of Locatelli Properties, if I could set up shop in a vacant storefront for the fourth quarter of 2019. Foley loved the idea, and so I started to brainstorm. Why are you opening a new pop-up shop? I've often heard after last holiday season that there were times when people could not get into the store at 63 Leonard Street because it was so busy. By opening this annex, I hope to spread out a little and have more space to merchandise my goods. What do you need to do to prepare the space? We are working on the cosmetics of the space now, fresh paint to brighten the space and adding some vintage-inspired lighting and other architectural details to give a more old-time mercantile feel. One of the things I loved about the Cushing Square location is that when people walked in, I had a sense of going back in time, slowing down and enjoying the music and having a very relaxed, nostalgic shopping experience. I hope to create a similar feel at 49 Leonard Street. What will be sold there? One of the reasons I got into business was to have a platform for fundraising. I work hard to find companies selling products with meaningful stories behind them. One local Massachusetts company employs adults with developmental disabilities and supports Doctors Without Borders with givebacks. Others support women's causes by giving back a portion of the net proceeds. I will be the only retailer for a local company called Beantown Blankets. This was started by a local college student as a business plan. The premise of the company is simple. When a customer purchases a blanket, a duplicate blanket is donated to a homeless person or to a shelter helping those most in need manage the often difficult and inclement Massachusetts weather. Many homeless shelters close their doors at a certain point, keeping some people from having a dry place to sleep, 
so they are made with cozy fleece on one side and waterproof on the other. These blankets are made right here in Massachusetts. I plan to feature this company at the annual Fall Fest in Cushing Square on September 21st. The blankets sold will be donated to homeless veterans. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Filming for Defending Jacob happened again on Ivy Street. Ivy Road, excuse me. There's a charm, at least that's what Paramount Television may be hoping because they were back uh, to Belmont for a third time on July the 19th to film scenes from its new Apple Television series Defending Jacob, based on the New York Times bestseller by Newton author William Landay. According to Jeremy Fisk, a key assistant uh, location manager for Cortex Productions, a lightning storm the last time they were in town filming between May 22nd, 23rd, and 24th caused them to lose shooting time for the most important dialogue scene in the show starring Chris Evans and Michelle Dockery. Dockery and Evans play the parents of a 14-year-old son, Jacob, who is accused of murder. Fisk said that it's a night scene. They were also uh, they will also be filming a scene with Dockery jogging down Lawrence Lane and taking a right on Richmond. Due to potholes in the road, Fisk said that they will need to fill them to make the shot look smooth, as the camera is on wheels and they will follow Dockery as she jogs. Select board chairman Tom Caputo, who lives on Richmond Road, said it's been exciting to have the television series filmed in their neighborhood, which is near the main character's home over the series at 16 Ivy Road. The home was chosen by the location crew because of its, it represents uh, quintessential New England. The crew recently filmed in Natick, Concord, Hudson, Newton, and also Watertown. And now over to Thomas. Thanks, Bob. Be a porch host or musician for Belmont Porch Fest. This year's Belmont Porch Fest is scheduled for September 7th with a rain date of September 8th. The deadline to register as a porch host or musician is August 1st. Last year's debut event in Belmont brought a total of 75 groups, including 128 students, performing at 60 homes and venues to approximately 2,500 audience members. 60% of audience travel was by foot or bicycle. More than 90% of the responders to the post-event survey said participating in Belmont Porch Fest resulted in closer connections to friends and neighbors and in holding Belmont itself in higher esteem. 100% of the responders said sponsoring Belmont Porch Fest reflected positively on the sponsors. This year will be a remix of the inaugural event. The performances will cycle through areas of town in two-hour blocks, starting in a different area than last year and culminating at PQ Park for the grand finale with food for purchase, free bike valet parking, and entertainment. The precinct schedule will be Precincts 1, 6, and 7 will host 10.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Precincts 2 and 8 will host 12.30 to 2.30. Precincts 3, 4, and 5 will, hold, will host 2.30 to 4.30 p.m. The grand finale will run from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m., giving most biking riding attendees plenty of time to ride home after dark. 
friends and neighbors are connecting and innovating to celebrate Belmont's unique culture. One new thing to look forward to includes Belmont Media Center and the Belmont Cultural Counter joining forces, I'm sorry, Belmont Cultural Council joining forces and resources to film a documentary. Anne Luger and Roger Colton have secured Mass Bike to provide valet bike parking at the grand finale, giving you yet another reason to ride your bike. Stonehearth Pizza Chefs are in the kitchen conjuring the perfect vegan porch fest pie to complement the popular cheese pizza to be served at the grand finale. And now back to Max. Thanks, Thomas. From the Council on Aging, the Council on Aging is located, the Belmont Council on Aging, is located at 266 Beach Street. Announcements. All hands on deck. We are looking for volunteers. Volunteers are always sought for the Beach Street Center. We're currently looking for a pianist who would be willing to fill in occasionally on a volunteer basis and someone to lead the walking group for the fall season. If interested, contact Marie Poor at 617-993-2979. The Beach Street Center's 10th anniversary is fast approaching. The Friends of the Belmont Council on Aging is forming a committee to help make this an anniversary not to forget. Please contact our director, Nava Niv Vogel, at 617-993-2975 if you are interested in joining. At the Beach Street Center, we love to celebrate and we love a good party. Let's get together and party plan. The Roaring Twenties, Parisian Nights, Western themed, any ideas are welcomed. If you're interested in joining the party planning committee, please call Dana Levitt at 617-993-2977. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Thomas and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings Around Belmont.